welcome to Punta Vista Socialist Club, uh, episode 43. And as we all know, the number 43 has some real significance, just like in that book, The Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy. Am I right, Theo? I think so. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's, Spot on. that's it. Uh, you're among friends here. Yep. Yep. Uh, We're Lucy all big agrees. Galaxy heads. Lucy what agrees, I, I'm sure. What do I agree with? I missed that. Oh, um, I'll just say yes. Just yeah, that's that's the way. Just uh, while Ben is not with us, he is currently in Japan. But while he's not here and cannot dispute this, um, I'll just say that Ben told me that. Ben told me that the number forty-three is the answer to all the stuff from oh, the book for nerds. He did. He did do that. Ben yep. did say that directly. T- told us all in the group chat. Sounded mm-hmm. very confident. Yep. Very confident. <sighs> and here we are, folks. Here we are. Back on the show, um, we wanted to talk today. I'm to have a little chat about something that's kind of been um, simmering away on the old back burner of Australian politics, but we haven't really spoken about it too much. But it's finally happened. We should probably have a quick chat about it, and that is, of course, the notorious thirtieth uh, shitty news poll for Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Woo! Woo! Congrats! <laughs> Congratulations, Malcolm. <laughs> Finally hit a milestone, you know? Yeah, he's done something. He's achieved something. Good on him. Good on him. Uh, I feel like we should give some context to this for any international listeners. Um, as they may or may not know, our current very shitty Conservative Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, um, deposed former very shitty Conservative Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, uh, who was, I want to say, like two years into his term. I think it was like one year, 11 months. Yeah, one yeah. year and change. Um, I, I I feel like it was it was like he was, you know, not not really halfway through his, his first term. Um, and uh, yeah, things were not going well, to say the least. Uh, they'd been going consistently very, very badly. Uh, it's almost as though if you just lie the whole time you're campaigning about all the amazing things that you're going to do for people uh, when you get into power and then the absolute instant you are elected uh, you immediately turn around and say ah all that stuff i said mm -mm," off the table and then just spend the next two years um turning the big dial uh titled racism and staring at the Mm. camera yep yep um just just standing in front of cameras and just pulling sandwiches out of the mouths of homeless people, tossing them into dumpsters. <laughs> the Just a real real bad look on all kinds of fronts. So, uh, the News Poll, of course, is a political polling service run by uh, News Corp, who you may know from such things as Fox News and the Australian newspaper and Sky News and a whole bunch of other big shitty turds. The Daily Telegraph, all the bad ones. All your favourite bad tabloids. Uh, And it gets published through the Australian news poll, I'm pretty sure. That's how it works. Um, I was kind of wondering to myself, is that why, like, conservatives take news polls more seriously than than other Mm. kinds of polling? It's like they're invested in it now. It's like, well, we've been printing this for so long. Uh, Yeah, yeah. We we have to believe in this now. Well, I mean, if if it's a company that's owned by... Rupert Murdoch that's doing the polling, then it's a bit hard for them to turn around and say, ah, oh, that's just another leftist propaganda outfit. 
Seems like an oversight on their part that they haven't managed to uh, keep this in check, but, you know. Yeah. So, when uh, Malcolm Turnbull came out and gave his, uh, gave his notorious speech in which he explained his reasoning for his challenge to, to Tony Abbott's leadership in the party room, uh, because that's something you can do here. You can just roll up on him and go, I reckon I could do it better. What do you think, guys? And if most of the party room goes, yeah, all right, uh, then you're the leader now. You're the prime minister. You're the captain. Uh, if only we could do that with American presidents, am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> There's almost no way to discuss anything like American and political now that doesn't just end in going. Uh, I like I like that we used to talk about it, and now it's just gotten so insane that we can't even touch it because it's it not funny. Do. It's not funny. It's like it's it's gone through the looking glass. Uh, it's come around the other side to being uh, so funny that it's just boring. Yeah. It's uh, it's also almost impossible to comment on in any kind of like news cycle relevant way. Oh, it's too fast. Yeah, <laughs> way too fast. Uh, so so anyway, Malcolm Turnbull, he came out uh, and he gave his his speech about all the reasons that he thought that Tony Abbott he just wasn't cutting the mustard, he wasn't getting it done, uh, and. The infamous thing that he cited was the fact that uh, Tony Abbott had lost 30 news polls in a row to uh, Labour leader Bill Shorten. Um, Or at least... No, it was the two-party preferred, wasn't it? Because Shorten's never in front as the preferred leader. Absolutely never, ever. Yep. I think the best he's ever done is, like, equaled somebody who was doing their absolute worst. Um... But I got the snippet of it here for you, folks, if you would like to hear it immortalized in the very man's own words. Here we go. The one thing that is clear about our current situation is the trajectory. We have lost 30 news polls in a row. It is clear that the people have made up their mind about Mr. Abbott's leadership. Mm, That worked out. That worked out well. Yeah, I love it when I uh, draw a big target uh, and I stick it to somebody. Uh, but then I immediately stand in front of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. It's really good. There's no way that that could ever happen to him. Not me. Yeah. Um, I just I just love that of all the sort of I guess intangible measures of politics, of all the reasoning that you could have used to say like, like Tony Abbott. You there's any number of things you could have cited and just said. Look, this guy's just lurching from disaster to disaster, from gaff to gaff. You could have stood there and rattled off a list of twenty like hyper specific things that Abbott had done that no one who isn't him could ever accidentally repeat. Uh, but instead, he just chose a very specific metric of like a measurement that is applied to everyone, everyone in the party. Um, and then said, the leader is responsible for it, and now I will be the leader and it will never happen again. Uh, smart move from, of course, the smartest man in politics, as mm. we all know. Now time to take a big sip from uh, my cup that says bad prime minister and check the news poll results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number two prime minister. <laughs> Oh man, he sucks so much. Like I just I I cannot ever get away from the idea that 
that he's probably somehow going to manage to go down in history as a worse leader than Tony Abbott. And that is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, he genuinely is worse. Like, in the, in the same way that you know how people... Can, well, coming back to the American stuff, you know how people are, are like, being kind of forced to look at uh, George Bush Jr. with kind of rose-coloured glasses now <laughs> and go, uh, I long for the days of, of that, like... Uh, you know, mildly challenged man just just wandering around smiling and kind mm-hmm. of offending people and starting wars, but it it all looks pretty nice now uh, by comparison. And somehow Turnbull has managed to do that to himself. He's managed to make himself uh, that kind of comparison, and I and didn't think it would be him. done. It's impressive. Yeah, like we said. He set a goal for himself, and he, he reached it recently. He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, there was there was some good lead up to this, whereas the press started to count off like twenty seven news polls in a row, twenty eight news polls in a row, and people were just badgering him about it. And he was starting to throw little hissy fits at press conferences, get really pissy about it, which is good. Um, they opted when the thirtieth news poll actually happened. Instead of just kind of saying like, oh, we'll do some like, you know, press releases and announce some stuff and otherwise keep quiet and that sort of thing. Uh, instead, they apparently thought that the better move to do would be to get all of his uh, major allies out into the press, his major allies within the party out into the press, uh, loudly declaring that it wasn't that bad that he'd lost 30 news polls in a row um, and that they they totally still backed him and they weren't going to change leaders, which is, of course, what you always say when you're not thinking about changing leaders. I find myself constantly talking about how I'm not going to uh, to quit my job just before I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, in turn, led to, of course, the reappearance of, of one of our favorites, good old Barnaby Joyce. <sighs> Barney. <sighs> As you may remember... <laughs> As you may remember from a recent episode, uh, Barnaby Joyce uh, was was porking someone who was not his wife. It all got very uh, very scandalous. Mm-hmm. What word would you use to describe it, Lucy? I would I would call it scandalous, mm-hmm. salacious, perhaps. Mm. 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 Very Andrew, that stuff. was that was that was like a month and a half ago. Now. It was. Not much has happened since then. Not much has happened, uh, but I think the Australian public uh, is ready to forget, forgive, uh, and possibly um, mm. just take a nice sip and a sip and like swill around the mouth. See how the uh, see how the words Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce sort of. <laughs> Taste on the See back palate. See all going down. Yeah. Um, and of course, that, that was another situation that was handled spectacularly badly by Malcolm Turnbull from a purely objective viewpoint. It's not like I wanted him to handle it well. Um, but yeah, basically he thought that the best move would be to um, first declare that uh, Barnaby Joyce had done absolutely nothing wrong and that he had given him all of his assurances that this totally wasn't taking place. Um, and then to also uh, pave the whole thing over by holding a press conference, at which uh, after Joyce had already admitted it, um, just to publicly uh, castigate him and just to cuck him on the on the world stage, basically. Mm. 
Uh, wasn't that well received by Barnaby? Barnaby was not a fan of it. Uh, and so this week in the wake of the the 30th news poll, um, Barnaby got out in the news and said, hey, folks, you know what I think would be a great idea is if Malcolm Turnbull fucking quit because he's so <laughs> bad at his job. <laughs> of course, the way he phrased it was uh, that, that Turnbull should do the honorable thing and resign um, if, he, if he doesn't get better by Christmas. That's a rough one, isn't it? Lose your job I, I hope time. to get in a mm. position in my life where the honorable thing is for me to quit my job. I know, right? You just be like, done. done. Like, yeah. consider, <laughs> consider me honorable. You're going to keep paying me every year though, right? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you keep getting money in the bank. Oh, oh well. Yep. See You'll ya. get a great pension. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be like, yeah, just a cartoon dust cloud behind me. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we have here in this piece in the Sydney Morning Herald that uh, Mr. Joyce said, quote, Malcolm's not a fool. Mm, don't know uh, about that. Don't know. Uh, and knew that he would have to stand aside by the end of the year uh, if the government did not stage a comeback. Quote, we're stating here the bleeding obvious. Nobody wants to actually go to a federal election, which you know you're going to lose, he said on Sky News. You have an obligation to all around you that if you honestly believe that is the case, then you must do something about it and do the honourable thing and start grooming an alternative. It's a bad word, grooming. Mm. Well, look, you, you know, you could be talking about waxing one of them or... Yeah, just doing plucking a eyebrows. Bit of, yeah, bit of eyebrow plucking. Just a bit of, bit of taint waxing going <laughs> on there. Got to be ready for the big chair. <clears throat> quote, now we are a long, long way from that at the moment, but if I said, oh, well, no one ever considers it, everything's fine, well, that's also not telling the truth, which Barnaby's big on, as we all know. Uh, the first thing you've got to be with the electorate is truthful. <laughs> 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 I love how bad they are at all this. Uh, like, um, I, I love that a, a couple of weeks ago when there was the big, like, cricket scandal. And, like, Malcolm Turnbull's just completely overplayed his hand by coming out and being like, oh, cricket's bad because you guys are always sledging each other and being mean. And everyone's like, <laughs> fucking politics, baby. Good Lord. Uh, Mr. Joyce has supported Mr. Turnbull's leadership in public in recent weeks, but the pair have fallen out over the way the Nationals leader was driven out of his job over his extreme horniness. Uh, while it is rare for a government to gain a boost in the polls from a federal budget, Mr. Joyce named the May 8 economic statement as a key step towards improving the government's stocks. I think they've said that literally every year for the last three years. They're so like, oh, yeah, no, look, folks, things are things are a bit iffy right now, but uh, you wait till you see this budget we've got coming. Woo! It's a fucking doozy. Just you wait. Just you wait to see which poor people we take money off this time. Oh, my goodness. And and so, he says that he says that we're a long way away from you know having to make uh, drastic changes and that sort of thing. But uh, it's almost election time, so uh, tick tock tick tock, guys. It's like it. the music's playing and it's about to stop, and they're all going to try and get in that chair. Uh, well, of course, we have our aspirants here. Our, uh Cabinet ministers, including Foreign Minister Julie Bishop, Treasurer Scott Morrison, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton, and Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg all backed Mr. Turnbull's leadership amid the intense focus on the polls, but all have kept their leadership options open if there was a vacancy. Oh, what a fucking deep bench that is. <laughs> <laughs> Although, was it you who, who said something on Twitter about uh, 
You know, everybody laughed off Tony Abbott as being completely unelectable because he's such a fucking vile lizard of a man. And um, and now they're all doomed to repeating that with people yeah. like Peter Dutton. And here we have Peter Dutton. Um, yeah, and I was ripping off that um that bro pair tweet about um, uh, it's like um people are literally stupid enough to vote Donald Trump president. Uh, don't mm-hmm. laugh him off. And he tweeted that in like 2013. Goddamn. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Although I suppose when you when you look at the actual polling numbers, there's like um. There's sort of the the preferred uh, ratings. Like uh, Julie Bishop's actually getting up there a bit. Like she's she's not many points off Malcolm Turnbull in terms of um in terms of like preferred leadership status. And she hasn't really stood in any of like any heaving turds of her own making yet either. So no. Although I th- I think the general sort of consensus that I've seen about Julie Bishop is that um is that foreign minister is like the the prime plum job for that sort of stuff because you can just go and do like diplomacy and go to events overseas and all you have to do is say like, you know, the polite pragmatic thing as we've seen about Australia's foreign policy and international relationships and all that sort of stuff. The shit we say on the world stage doesn't have to align in any way, shape or form with what we actually do domestically. Um, not even close when it comes to championing human rights and all that kind of shit. Um, but yeah, the the main thing is that it means that as a politician, you effectively get to just kind of stay above the fray of domestic politics and shit that actually affects the lives of, of any of the people who might wind up casting a vote for your party. Um, so yeah, you get to have the, the very, very visible role um, but it's also rare that you're kind of held directly responsible for things going wrong on the world stage unless I suppose you have uh, very personally contributed to a gaffe or something like that. Um, so it kind of gets to simultaneously be the high-profile and under-the-radar role. Um, so she's stuck with that for ages, but she also has a tendency to like fuck right up as soon as people are asking her about domestic stuff as well. So... Still not a very deep bench. Um, asked on ABC TV last night if he would run if the leadership was vacant, Mr. Morrison said, quote, it's uh, <laughs> great. If an opportunity presented itself, yes, <laughs> but not while Malcolm Turnbull's the Prime Minister because he's the right Prime Minister to lead our party. That is so convincing. That is absolutely oh, convincing. Uh, when Miss Bishop was asked if she would run against Mr. Turnbull, she told the Nine Network, quote, I don't envisage those circumstances at all which is a wonderfully subtle way of not saying yes or no. Uh, Mr. Dutton said, many MPs aspire to leadership and added, quote, I think opportunities can come, uh, but for me, loyalty is important, and I've made a virtue of that. Of course, there's no one uh, that we associate with the word virtue more than uh, the man who has uh, really beefed up uh, gulag apparatus in this country. So it's all looking up for Malcolm. It's all going really well. Well, I mean, I see here uh, Mark Latham says, the Prime Minister is on a slow march to electoral defeat. Mm. And if someone would know, I guess. Yeah, if someone would recognize the signs, I suppose. Um, so I wanted to sort of lead in from, uh, from that to this article, uh, which was in The Australian. I do not remember the title of the article, nor who wrote it. Sorry to the person who put all the work into this extremely long piece. It's 
very, very fucking very long piece uh, in the Australian, but also it's the Australian, so fuck them. Uh, but it's a very long read, and it's kind of all over the shop. But there were there were kind of some some little gems in there that I thought were very revealing in that they weren't what the article was about, but they were also very interesting to me in what they were saying. Uh, so let me, if I may, work through some chunks of this with you guys. Uh, now, the article, a, a good chunk of it at the start, the first third of it or whatever, um, concerns the principal private secretary to the Prime Minister, Sally Cray. And the, uh, they talk a bit about, you know, her calling up, um, you know, different MPs and state ministers and stuff and tearing strips off them because they've, like, you know, hung shit on Malcolm Turnbull in the press or something like that. You know how there's been more and more instances of, like, um, of like uh, state ministers and stuff saying, he should just quit because he fucking sucks and he's, like, ruining the electoral chances for all the state liberal parties yep. too. All that kind of stuff. Uh, so they 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 kind of get into uh, you know her her the stories around her you know being abusive of people and that kind of stuff. Uh, Cray is known to regularly send messages on WhatsApp or send texts to journalists complaining that they are not doing enough for Turnbull and letting his opponent off the hook. Cray is known in Canberra as the Prime Minister's de facto chief of staff, a kind of new Peter Credlin. Now, again, for any international listeners, Peter Credlin was uh, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott's chief of staff. She was uh, known to be the architect of his whole sort of incredibly negative attack dog style of campaigning, um, three-word slogans, all that kind of stuff, which was, as we all know from history, was very effective while campaigning and utterly fucking useless for governing. Uh, Did not work out very well. Uh, There are disagreements over whether or not Cray operates in the same fashion as Peter Credlin did when she was chief of staff to Tony Abbott. Some say that Cray is kinder to MPs and staff. To be summoned to Credlin meant very bad news back in the Abbott day. But there seems no doubt that Cray is a central figure in the Turnbull regime, just as Credlin was in the Abbott team, and she therefore bears some responsibility for the flawed political strategy of the government. Even though bureaucrat after bureaucrat has served as Malcolm's chief of staff, from Drew Clark to Greg Moriarty to current incumbent Peter Wolcott, it is Cray who carries the political cards. But how competent has she been in guiding the Prime Minister on the political course he needed to go on? There's a common whinge that Turnbull's office is loaded with liberals who live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. People of Turnbull's stock, not the types to know what hits people in the mortgage belt suburbs. Uh, Quote, We've sucked up to the public schools, given them a whole lot more money. They're not going to vote for us, one minister says. We're trying to suck up to the renewable energy community. No one in pro-renewables is going to vote for us. We can't win with these positions politically. Now, I thought that this was around the point where this starts to get interesting. Because, you know, what these people are saying is these, these are policies that we know people want but nobody wants them from our party. You know, they, they kind of go a bit further into it and say, um, uh, Malcolm's office is very Sydney Eastern suburbs, so of course they hear different things from what we're concerned about, which is energy prices and immigration. The biggest mistake he could make now, which Abbott made, would be for his office to become paranoid. But if you change Sally out, how much difference would it make? 
another minister says, the underlying flaw is that Turnbull just doesn't have political judgment. Uh, Cray has been described as Malcolm's mood manager. <laughs> <laughs> it seems careful tactics are employed to work with a prime minister who can be difficult. Quote, he listens to fuck all people, but he listens to her, one former <laughs> staffer says. But another former staffer says, quote, I don't think it's a problem with Sally. I really don't. Yes, she's tough. She's the enforcer and all that sort of stuff. You can't read through that how the news poll is the way that it is. People had a perception when Turnbull came to power that they saw him as about the republic, same-sex marriage, the environment. Those things weren't the right thing for him to pursue. It would have blown up the party room. In the absence of that, it was like, what's the next big thing? And there was no next big thing. But a senior liberal source is more brutal. The real problem is that there isn't a political strategist in his office. Cray has become the strategist by default. So yeah, just just coming back to that for a second, I just, I just find it really interesting that, um, you know, as we said, when Turnbull first came out and gave that speech and gave his 30 News poll talk and everything, um, he, you know, talked about the, the approach that he wanted to take to governing and he wanted to restore proper cabinet government and he wanted to stop with the slogans and carefully explain things to the electorate and all that sort of stuff. And he had crazy approval ratings, didn't he? Yeah, uh, and I mean, I remember at the time, um, I, I would say like 90% of of pundits were going, you know, this is really positive work and that sort of thing. And I think I have to like credit um, Van Badham, unfortunately. Um, and she was screaming at the time like, no, no, this is this is all. Uh, none of this is going to come to pass. Uh, he is an incredibly weak man. He's a weak leader, and uh, he will immediately cave to the conservative elements in the party, which um, was exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, and of course, um, you know, media cycles and the Australian political scene being what it is, I feel like. Most of the populace has just completely forgotten what he was like as a leader when he was leader of the opposition before oh, yeah. he got rolled by Tony mm. Abbott. Well, that's where the optimism came from. Um, oh, sorry, I thought you meant when he was sorry when he was um, running uh, previously on a position of renewable energy um, and actual like rational positions. Yeah, um, I mean that that might be where some of the sort of the left wing kind of idea of. I think the parallel to me is people who look at the idea that, that, you know, Trump will somehow get impeached or step down or whatever, and then they go, ah, oh, well, at least, like, Pence is, is, like, sensible and normal and understands the rules of engagement and all that sort of shit, um, even though he's not. He's a fucking psychopath. Hmm. But that's not the point. It's still this idea to people, um, people who are, like, center-left that this person is a, like, less bad option. That this person at least, you know, has some has some sort of ideas rooted in, in like contemporary mores, or isn't going to drive the country off a cliff or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's how like left wing people looked at Turnbull, but as a leader, he has always demonstrated like a phenomenal lack of judgment. Absolutely, but I think I think the thing that they that is like super depressing in in all of that is where they say, yeah, we put, um, you know. Um, that we were seen to be spruiking public schools and renewable energy and all this sort of stuff, and it hasn't gotten us any votes, so why should we do it? And I hate it when I do good stuff and nobody acknowledges me for it, so I just stopped doing it as well. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's like... 
But they're right, though, on a, on a political level where pushing to the left is not going to get them any more votes, unfortunately. It's the right thing for them to do, right, and stop their inexorable, you know, crawl to the right. But Except all those... that, that that's not popular either. Which you part? Know going, going, continuing to go right. Well, I think I think that Tony Abbott's prime minister prime ministership already shows you that if somebody gets in and goes really hard right in terms of like hardcore anti-immigration, closed borders, cutting off and dismantling welfare everywhere, like all the stuff that he did about um, about unemployment benefits and pensions and all the shit he was cutting off. Um, education funding, all that sort of stuff. All that stuff, theoretically, should be right in the wheelhouse of very right-wing people who are all super about small government and lower taxes and all that sort of shit. Um, but he was still hugely unpopular. And this is this is what I found really interesting in this piece. Like, like these people are saying, you know, we're trying to suck up to these different communities and they're not going to vote for us. We can't win with these positions politically. And as another one says here, you know, people were excited about him because he was he was going to lead the way with like same-sex marriage and the environment and stuff. But that would have blown up our own party room. So that person's not necessarily saying our voters won't vote for this. He's saying our own members of the party, our own like MPs and senators and stuff won't let us do that. Sure. You know, they and, won't and that's actually an even let this stuff go through. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting distinction in the Australian model where uh, the party room can just say, well, you're fucked and yep. uh, that's it. We're not, not doing that. Um, and then when he says in the absence of that, it was like, what's the next big thing? And there was no next big thing. And all of this just sort of paints this picture to you of, of them saying like, oh, okay, we can get a leader in who is more progressive and more popular with the electorate, but we will tie his hands and won't let him actually do any of the stuff that, you know, the, the crazy approval ratings he had when he came in, that those people apparently would have pretty happily gone along with him doing. Um, so what do we do instead? oh, well, we could do any of this stuff, but even though we know that people want it, we know that they they understand that like other parties like the Labour Party and the Greens are more known for doing those things. So if we do those things, we won't get credit for them and we won't convert voters, so we won't do them. So what are we going to do? Oh, we're kind of going to do nothing. Like it, it just seems like this really strange, weirdly open admission to me that they're just kind of this dead ship sailing yeah, along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, somebody else goes on here to say, um, others argue that Cray is not as forceful or as full-on as Tony Abbott's former chief of staff, Credlin, who, of course, came under such fire for being so dominant for allowing herself to be portrayed as the real power behind the throne. But then, says one staffer, quote, what's the message from the government press office? What is our message? I couldn't even tell you. At least when Abbott was PM, we had an idea of what we stand for. Malcolm derides these three-word slogans, but they work. You have a discussion with any long-term coalition staffer and we don't know what we're fighting for. Um, which, again, just makes you go, that's probably not great if, if like all the people internal to your political party are just like, I wonder what it is that we're about. Yeah, well, t um, Abbott already took um, good government starts today, so I've yeah, got well, fucked on that one. Mm. No, you can't. 
can't insist that you're going to start it after that. No, that's tomorrow. It has not started yet, though. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. Well, well we're waiting. It could have happened. Oh, I hate Malcolm happen. Turnbull. It's nice to have goals. <laughs> oh. It's just, it's remarkable. And, like, there's, there's just another bit here that I think uh, ties into what it is that people hate about him, Lucy. Hmm. Um, one vigorous defender of Turnbull and Cray is Workplace Minister Craig Laundy. Laundy told The Australian that Turnbull and Cray simply had not had enough credit for the difficult policy areas they'd been able to tackle at the end of last year, such as same-sex marriage. That went so mm. well. Oh, and that was definitely them that did it. Yeah, great for everyone. And the National Energy Guarantee uh, through a divided party room. Quote, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves in steering issues through a party room with a variety of extremely strongly held views, Londy said. Which just makes me go, yeah, why wouldn't he love to get credit for reaching these compromises that somehow managed to be unattractive to every person concerned? I just feel like every every part of like um every part of the of the same sex postal survey thing, the same sex marriage postal survey it was like they just concocted this perfect bastard child of a of a policy that just made everyone in the country feel shit about it. Yeah. It made people who wanted same-sex marriage feel shit because it made them it, well like it made queer people feel like they were having the rest of the country be asked whether they were worthy of equal rights, which is literally what was happening. Um, it made people who supported the whole idea really discouraged because the whole thing was so fucking flaky that everyone was sure that they were going to turn around and just nullify the results anyway. If it but didn't what come about back the, the national conversation, Andrew? Oh, yeah, they really raised the tone of discourse there, didn't about they? About the discourse. We all love discourse. Yeah, and then in the end, um, the, all the people who support them still got to see this thing go up and get majority support and then they had to push through this thing that none of their own fucking voters wanted. So it was, yeah, it was just one of those, like, everyone's unhappy. It finally went through, but nobody is ever going to give them credit for doing it because they did it the worst possible way and in the most ham-fisted and, like, reluctant way you could possibly do it. They'll give themselves credit. Oh, he oh, fucking has done all the so. Time. Oh, yeah. Malcolm Turnbull's going to be on his deathbed like, yeah, I made same-sex marriage happen. I'm That's pretty the much thing that I going did. to heaven. Yeah. Yep. So they're on his deathbed going, it's, I'm coming, Jesus, it's me, <laughs> patron, saint of the gays. But yeah, like it's... um. It's very interesting, like, just as an insight, because, again, that's kind of... It's not even what the article's about. The article is about the operations of um, of Turnbull's office and how people see, you know, the roles that his secretary is, is taking and all this different kind of stuff. But it's just all these little quotes slipping through that just make me go, like, none of you know what you're doing there. And I don't mean that in like just a general sort of oh, government's a big joke all the time kind of way, but in a genuine like none of them even seem to have a concept of what it is that a conservative ideology is meant to be presenting at this point in time, which really aligns with the external image that it gives off. Like it's just so confused. One of the things they keep coming back to is is talking about like um, talking about how uh you know it just 
the story, the narrative just changes week on week on week on week. You can never just stick to a thing. There's no kind of vision or narrative or any of that sort of stuff, which is neither here nor there. But um, I will also read out this important uh, next excerpt because uh, it's funny. <clears throat> the stories of the volcanic temper of Turnbull are many. One former minister, who did not want to be named, recalls Turnbull ringing him abusively, unimpressed by his alleged behaviour, and calling him a cunt before saying <laughs> that both he and Lucy were very disappointed in him. We were. We were. <laughs> Tit, he is known to tell other staffers, I'm not listening to your fucking advice. <laughs> <laughs> this rules. Some of that behaviour is described as, quote, Rudd-esque. I was going to say, yeah, did Rudd get a job? Yeah. Slip him in there. Well, remember there was that whole weird thing where he like told Rudd that he'd he'd appoint him to the UN, and everyone in the Liberal Party went, "What the fuck? We're never going to do anything for Rudd in our lives." And he had to go, "Oh, sorry, Kevin, you can't have the UN post." And then Kevin went fucking nuts. It's great stuff. Mm. Tony Abbott confirmed to the Australian the veracity of a report in, reported incident in 2014 when Abbott was PM where on a plane flight back from the Australian's 50th anniversary celebrations, Turnbull told Abbott that he was the most, quote, disloyal cunt he'd ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Abbott says, the reports I read about that particular flight were accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is accurate that you are a cunt. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Well, all right. Further to the point, Theo, um, that you were making. Um, so, you know, another another respected MP, a supporter says, a lot of people underestimated the extent to which he's had to try and take the party with him. Again, it's because your party's about fucking awful stuff. You can't as a leader just say, I'm heading in this direction, same-sex marriage or republic. He had promised cabinet government. You can't criticize him for captain's picks and then say he consults too much. Uh, there is some feeling that last year there has been improvement in a policy sense, but the political handling of issues has been abysmal. Uh, quote, his fundamental problem is political management. Basically, a lot of Malcolm's policies are sound, one senior liberal says. And then they talk about Gonski and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, getting Catholics out of joint. But yeah, like I said, just really struck by how many notes there are in that thing of people just kind of saying like, it it just it just sounds like a a party that is just collapsing in on itself. It's like Malcolm's trying to run like a high school model UN. Yeah, and everyone's just snuck off to fuck around, and he's just crying. Why won't you listen to me? Because <laughs> they don't yeah, but it's like you. But think about the people that are, that are in that party. Like, how the fuck are you supposed to do anything when you've got like? You know, parachuted in nerds like James Patterson, fucking oh, IPA. <laughs> you got a whole bunch of like, you know, small L liberal libertarian private school stooges that they just airdrop into the party. Then you've got, um, you know, you'd probably have some slightly more moderate-ish ones. Like, I mean, even even Scott Morrison for all of his horrible shit that he did when he was um, immigration minister the the way he generally acts just sort of makes you go oh he's he's a relatively normal person but just a cutthroat political operator he will clearly do absolutely anything to just advance his political career um and then you have all of the people like Eric Abetz and and like 
you know, your George Christensen and Corey, Corey Bernardi types and stuff who are just psychopathic right-wing nationalists who don't really care about advancing any kind of, you know, they, they know they're never going to be the leaders or anything. So they're just happy to hang out and, and just hold everything back. It's like, how, what, what is the point of this party anymore? I genuinely do not understand. But, you know, we'll see what happens. See what happens to old mate. I hope it all fucks up and I hope they're all very miserable forever until they die. Yep. Um, I've been not far tr- off. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Luckily. Um, I've been trying to find a letter from um, one of our listeners. I apologize to them because I cannot find it. I've looked a couple of times and I've given up. Um, but basically what they asked is, who who do any of us predict is going to be the leader after Malcolm Turnbull? Uh, do you guys want to take a crack? I don't, I don't know. That's all horrible, horrible options. Mm. Well, like the the people that they were reading off before were in that in that Barnaby Joyce report. Like they are sort I mean, of Peter what's considered. Dutton. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing is that people bandy him about like he's a genuine alternative, but like uh, Julie Bishop's preferred leader rating is like twenty uh, something percent which is, you know, 15 or 20% lower than Turnbull. Peter Dutton's on, like, nine. And that's after going up a couple of points. Mm. Like, like he's clearly someone that people just find fucking detestable. Yeah, there's no one that's, like, outwardly sort of popular that's an option. Yeah, and I think they know that. I think they're really aware of that. The only person that I think remotely has a chance... um, is is Julie Bishop, but yeah. I also think that she has um uh like she she's clearly someone who has played her cards like so carefully for so long because she's been like deputy leader for like se- several terms in a row or mm. like several different leaders in a row. She just I don't think she wants it. She just transitions across. No, I think it's more about like, um, like I think she would have a crack, but only in a scenario where she was convinced that she was going to either get a clear run at like a whole term or to, to win an upcoming election. Oh, like, so she's being coquettish. <laughs> um, I was watching a, a Seinfeld last night where uh, Kramer used the phrase coquettish haberdasher. Stuck in my brain now. <laughs> Wonderful words. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like uh, I, I think the the issue for that party now is that they are in that window of being not that far out from an election, abysmally low rating, and so for any potential aspirants, you find yourself in that position of ah, well, if I roll this person and take over the party and then lead the party to an election defeat, that defeat hangs on me as my failing. And they get the the stinky aura of a loser. They get that bad fish smell. Like um like when you find a, a like a, a an inflatable ball that's been in the backyard, like a rubber ball for fifteen years and you squeeze some of the air out of it. <laughs> yeah. That just hangs around it for you. I know that specifically, but I'll take your word for it. Well, very fishy. Weirdly fishy. Mm. Any given rubber ball gets fishy. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think that Julie Bishop would not 
have a crack because I think that the, the party's electoral fortunes are probably pretty sealed at this point. Like they've lost, um, they've lost like all the state governments now, haven't they? Yeah, except I think so. for is it just where is it just Sydney that's still got like um, Berejiklian in? I think so. Sounds about right. Gladys Berejiklian. Is that how you say that? Apparently. Okay. A lot of a lot of consonants in there. Uh, so yeah, like I really doubt that Julie Bishop would have a crack because it means that she'll probably lead them to defeat and everyone will be like, oh, this bloody woman messed it up because that's the kind of thing their party yeah, would say. they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then the only other options are people like fucking Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison. Yeah. Scott Morrison is the only one that I think would remotely have a chance. I, I think, think he's... Uh, yeah, I think Scott Morrison out of all of them is the only person I can actually see walking up to the microphone and not making a huge dick of himself. Um, at any given time. I think he's the only one that has found reasonable success as just like a retail politician, you yep. know? Yep. But yeah, I think uh, either way, I think they're totally fucked and that's good. I'll be happy to see him fucking keel over and be done with. Yep. And that's uh, why Mr. Billy Boy. Yep. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> <laughs> old dependable. He's, he's going to be the old uh, Stephen Bradbury of Prime Ministers, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, for any for any non-Australian listeners out there, uh, please just Google uh, Stephen Bradbury Winter Olympics. And oh, it's such a wonderful scene. Watch a video of our golden son. Uh, just Pride <laughs> of our nation. He just looks like such a dipshit too with his like bleached tips and everything. Yeah, there should be statues of him to be quite honest. Oh, in every it's town. perfect. It's perfect. So folks, he was, he was in, a, a, in the Winter Olympics as a speed skater. Um, doing his doing his laps in like fucking eighth or ninth place or something, um, and there is a there is a fall up near the front which takes out like seven or eight people in front of him, and he skates around them all and across the finish line scoops up gold scoops up gold with this beautiful look of sheer surprise and jubilation on his face. Becoming a legend in the process. Yeah, if you want to see someone win the lottery in real time, go and watch that video. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the whole, you know, sort of Eddie the Eagle kind of thing, but he actually got to win. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Great stuff. Uh, so, we might we might now just uh, take it inside for uh, a quick consult. Mm-hmm. A quick consult in a segment that we like to call Paging Dr. Lucy. <laughs> It's quality good. stuff. It's, it's quality so stuff, folks. Is this the first time we've had paging Dr. Lucy on the on the main, on the main? episodes? I think we had it once, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. 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 Uh, so this segment, folks, as we know, is where we uh, delve into um, relationship and dick problems on Reddit. Lucy helps us answer them. But I've not done my work, so well, paging Dr. Andre. Well, we both had a bit of a comb today, and to be honest, it was pretty depressing. It was bleak today. It's pretty dour stuff. Uh, But here's just one, just one that I found, and it struck me just right. It hit me right in the right spot, and it's perfect, and I want to read it to you. Although, um, I am going to do just the standard evaluation, um, the quick consult with Dr. Lucy, which is where I read the headline of the post, and Mm -hmm. she quickly tells me whether or not 
uh, the person should break up with the, with right. the person they're talking about. Lay it on <clears> me. Uh, 21-year-old female, my boyfriend didn't visit me in hospital. <laughs> I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I know it's going to be worse than imaginable. So I'm going to preemptively say to dump him. All right. That's, you're probably on the right track. All right. <clears throat> Here we go, folks. My boyfriend and I have been together for a year. I went to the ER early on Wednesday morning at around 4 a.m. with severe abdominal pain and nausea, which started when I was on the phone to my boyfriend. At first, he dismissed me because he thought I was just bloated. But after a few more hours of me wailing in pain and a nurse advising me to go to the hospital, he offered to call me an Uber there. After he called it, he texted me telling me, quote, good luck, and I honestly can't stay awake any longer and went to sleep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it gets so much worse. <laughs> I spent the whole day in ER, in ER with my cousin in a horrible state going through multiple tests and they didn't know what it was that was making me so sick. When I was well enough to actually speak, it was the afternoon. My cousin told me that he'd messaged her asking how I was and she'd updated him on the situation. I might need surgery if it was what they suspected and her telling me that my boyfriend had gone to class. I opened my phone to a series of messages. Sorry, I can't do more for you. Tell me if you need anything. I don't know what to do. Sorry, I can't help you. Oh, boy. <laughs> After multiple visits from friends who had tracked me down, he was still nowhere to be seen. His class was a late afternoon class, so he didn't bother to come in early or after his class. At night, he asked me via text if he should come and visit. I told him it was up to him. Later on, I told him, yes, it would be nice to see him. When he came in, I discovered that earlier in the day, he was scheduling lunch study dates with his friends, following up on plans with another friend, stating that he, quote, might come and see me in the hospital. This was all in the morning, while he knew I was in hospital. He told me he was sorry and that he would try to make it up to me. Then a few hours later, before the results had come out for what I had, he told me he was leaving early to go home and grab his laptop for class. Classes which he had skipped the previous week to watch an esports tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you gotta dump him. <sighs> There's so many more problems here so with this guy. Just get out of there. Oh, I just love that, like, says he, he skipped the other one to watch an esports tournament because all the lectures get recorded and put up online. Mm -hmm. But he really had to go to that other one. Mm. I told him that I just didn't feel like a priority in his life. Not just this particular occasion, but in many previous incidents as well, weirdly enough. Shocking. And he told me that he, quote, didn't know what to do. So he just didn't do anything. Oh, God damn. <clears throat> Ready, oh, folks? Oh, hold on. More? Hold on. There's more? Oh, we, you just, you know what the close is going to be. That's all. Um, he's been trying to be super attentive and visiting me as much as possible to make it up to yeah, me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Am I in the wrong? I'm touched but also hurt. In the crucial moments when I needed him there, I had everyone else but him. Only after I asked him to come did he appear. Uh, if something like this happened to him, I would drop everything. Should this be something I continue to pursue? Am I perhaps expecting too much from <laughs> yes, him? Yes, there it is. Oh, my God. Is this my fault? Oh, my God. I feel so bad for these girls because it's like <sighs> I was like that maybe when I was like 20. Well, she's like, 21 and he's 22. Yeah, all right. But, Fucking oh, hell. God, just oh. don't even just dump him. Like, do some bad shit to him. Oh, my God. Like, 
sleep with his friends or slash his tires or something. Smash up his fucking Alienware laptop or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. No, just as soon as I got to that line... He, classes which he had skipped the previous <laughs> watch week to e-sport. watch an esports tournament. <laughs> I was like, that's going up. That's, uh, that's a pro move, I reckon. <laughs> oh my god. I just I just love like <laughs> I love your girlfriend being in so much pain that she needs to go to the ER so you call her an you Uber and then text Uber. her like Call her an Uber and then immediately text her that like, oh look, I just can't stay awake. I'm going to sleep. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeez. What a piece of shit. Oh, god damn. The stuff people put up with. Out of control. Oh, god. If this is you, just get out of there. If you're listening, fucking get on with your life. Mm. My god. God. <sighs> Jesus Christ. And therein is our one instance. A one instance of a letter this week. Yeah, because all the other ones were just very depressing and boring. Yeah, like... the other ones were all much more like... um. My husband killed himself. How do I deal with it? Oh, yeah. That's not much fun for the podcast, really. I mean, it could make uh, it a bit funnier for us. Yeah. Dump it. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Hmm. Uh, so, look, we're going to close it out with a single letter. Uh, we have a letter here, folks, from dear lover of the show, Josiah Miller, hmm. who uh, we all saw recently. Um with his sweet merch. He's got a rig. He's <laughs> got a rig on him. Oh, it's him with the rig. <laughs> yes. Big uh, rig Josiah up there. Uh, so, lover of the show, Josiah, um, who has bought himself a mug and a shirt, which apparently has not arrived yet, and he refuses to wear a shirt until his shirt arrives. <laughs> <clears throat> and he writes, uh, at least three times over the course of recent episodes, Andrew has said some variation of... Just got to get good at eating pussy. (laughs) And now I can only assume that he started this whole podcast to subtly imprint the idea that he's Canberra's premier cunning linguist on as many people as possible. That's not true. It's very disrespectful to Andre's wife. Yeah. Um, What, that I'm good at eating pussy? Yeah. Why would that be disrespectful to him? I mean, he's implying that you want everyone to know it. You just want your wife to know it. I'm perfectly happy for everyone else to know. It's fine. (laughs) Why shouldn't she be happy about it? Anyway, my question for the rest of the cast. What personal trait or quality of yours have you been trying to incept into our extremely genius brains? Hmm. Hmm. That's Hmm. a good question. I mean, I'm obviously trying to instill the idea that um, everyone should be an independent woman or man. Who mm-hmm. don't take no shit, and you can just you can just dump whoever, even if you're not dating. You can just you can just walk out. You can just cut it off and get the fuck out of there at any time. Yep. Yeah, uh, you, you know you can you can live alone, have long distance relationships. <laughs> you can just have a string of boyfriends on the internet that you never have to meet. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's fair. Uh, how about you, Theo? Um, I think I'm trying to convince people that I'm a normal person that can talk to other people uh, who is not constantly beset by diarrhea. Yeah. It's going well, actually. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's do you feel like a... the... Um, <laughs> do you feel like the the diarrhea is like um, 
just sort of a, a byproduct of the anxiety or do you feel like the anxiety causes the diarrhea or is it more of a vicious circle kind of I, thing i believe it's a yeah it's it's a it's a feedback loop um yep. the anxiety feeds into the diarrhea mm. the diarrhea then feeds into the anxiety and if i'm lucky into the toilet <laughs> <laughs> but not always yeah yeah well, I assume that anybody who is generally prone to or constantly beset by diarrhea also has that kind of like, what if I need to, what if I haven't had my diarrhea yet this morning and we got to go out? Mm, that is a, that is a worry with IBS. If yeah. you haven't had it, it's like, mm, you never know. You never When's know. When's it coming? When's, When's it, coming? it coming? It is coming, but you never know when. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if I, if you're talking to me and I seem distant, um, Agitated or, or, or detached. <laughs> uh, I'm just working out an exit plan. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, folks. Um, so that's that's where it's at. It's where we're all at. Um, I'm good at sex. Uh, Lucy wants you to know that she lives alone, and Theo thinks a lot about diarrhea. Yeah. Don't tell them I live alone. That's that's not good. <laughs> I feel like we knew. Didn't we all know that? I live with many very large, uh, scary men. Oh, yeah. No, uh, like besides the bodyguards. And the yeah, security. the bodyguards. Many, a lot of security. A lot of big, big, scary dudes. Some of them interracial. Well, the good thing is that you're, you're kind of saving money because they double up on that role of like the, the six guys who carry you on the platforms that are exactly. on the poles. Exactly. You know? They do do that. Yeah, the whole kind of Egyptian... Uh, queen kind of vibe that mm. look as yep. they ca- as they carry you down to the bottle shop at the corner yeah that's my lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we're going to leave it there for this week uh don't forget that you can jump on over to good old patreon um oh speaking of which we got a 300th patron today 300 it's wild 300 uh we are going to flip a series of coins or roll a dice or whatever and uh, however we get a short straw, someone's going to take an artful nude and send it to that person. But it won't be me because Pro- uh, women's nudes can't be humor, you know, humorous. Plus he's already paying money, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Horse exactly. bolted. Yes. Uh, if you too would love to become a patron and get an extra episode every week, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash Bunta Vista. No if nudes, you would so like it's just that guy. Just that guy. Um, if you would like to order a shirt and have it sent to Josiah so that he can finally cover up, you can go yeah. to puntavista.com forward slash merchandise. Tell him to put a damn shirt on. Put a shirt on. We get it. We get it. You sculpted. Come on. Good <laughs> Lord. All right, folks. That'll do us for this week. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.